You know, I'm encouraged and excited because from the moment I came in this morning, God is confirming his word and what he wants to speak to us and share this morning. So I'm so glad that the message that God's put in my heart um, isn't my own. It's come from the Lord. And this morning, I want to talk about being courageous proclaimers. We're going to talk about being courageous proclaimers. We're going to look at some scripture and highlight a few things. But all of what we do and the reason that we're here is to know Jesus and to make him known. If you were here last week, you heard Andy highlight that as he was going through how scripture is all centered and focused around Jesus. And we sang about it this morning. And God is telling us something. That he's raising us up to be a courageous people that proclaim the testimony of Jesus. Amen? Let's look at some scripture. I'm going to look at Revelations this morning, and I'm going to pick out a few things. And I love that throughout the worship, you're going to see a theme of what God's telling us. So we're going to start in Revelations 12. And we read in in Revelations 12 from 10 on, we see John on the Isle of Patmos. He's getting uh, a vision and a word direct from God. And it says this, he says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them night and day before God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their own lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short." So we see, and when we read this, that we actually have an accuser. There's an accuser of the brethren. But there's good news. His time is short. Exactly. His time is short. And the scripture says that you and I are conquerors. That we are overcomers. In the prayer meeting, the two things that Andy came with this morning was that we are conquerors and overcomers. John 16, says this, that in the world, we will have trouble. Remember, we have an accuser. He's roaming around this earth, accusing believers. But then he says this, but take heart or fear not, for I have overcome the world. Wow. We can take courage in this today, friends. So although we have an overcomer, the best part is that we have the King of Kings, the Lord Almighty, God himself coming back. Amen? He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for you and I. And it says that the the one that's the accuser will be thrown down. And his rule on earth is over. What a picture. Let's read it. So Revelations 19.9, it just kind of goes on on this theme. And it says that, then he said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
So let's set the stage for what we're reading here in these two passages in Revelation. We know that Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the overcomers. Can you guys say, I'm an overcomer this morning? You're an overcomer. I want to tell you right now that whatever the enemy can throw at you, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, that God's plan for you is to overcome. You're an overcomer. And when we see what we're reading here, we see this, that as a believer for us, he's coming back for those, it says, who have overcome by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So let's make it simple. The blood of the lamb is referring to Jesus' finished work on the cross. He's coming back for those who choose Jesus as Lord. And it goes on and it says the second part, and to those that testify to him, that overcome by the word of their testimony. There's something incredibly powerful about testimony. So we as believers, we choose Jesus as Lord, but we're also called to testify to Jesus. So why should we do this? Why should we testify? Well, in Revelations 19, it says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is this piece of Jesus coming back for his bride, and we celebrate because now we're spending eternity with our King in heaven. So we should testify because there is a feast of feasts, friends. Better than your Christmas dinner. Better than Thanksgiving. There is a feast of feasts coming. We sing about it. You guys remember some old song? He brought me to his... Yeah, there we go. He brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. We're singing scripture in Song of Songs. It says he brought me to his banqueting table and his banner over me is love. Psalm 36 says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God, that the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. We were singing that this morning. And they feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delight, your delights. We should testify to God because of this, that there is a feast and there is eternity. We had some people over at our house this past week, and we weren't too sure how many were going to come. We had a fabulous time. But we'd actually set out an extra place setting. There was a, um, there was a, a plate and a knife and a fork, and it just sat there and We actually left it there for about two days. We should testify to Jesus because there is empty seats at that banqueting table. And it was such a visual for me to look at my table and go, there's an empty seat. And there is a setting prepared for someone, but there's nobody sitting there to enjoy it. We should testify to Jesus Because people have been invited to this feast and God chooses to use us to testify to Jesus to bring people to the feast so that they can spend eternity with our Father in heaven. This is our mission, friends. This is what God has called us to. Until the King of King returns, our mission is to testify to Jesus to a lost and broken world. We're called to be courageous proclaimers. And I want to highlight four things out of these scriptures that I feel that we need to know as courageous proclaimers. The first one 
we have the testimony of Jesus. In Revelations, we just read that the believers, they're highlighted as those that overcome by the word of their testimony, right? In Revelations 12, 17, it also says and refers to believers as having the testimony of Jesus. Well, what is the testimony of Jesus? Well, let's read 1 John 10, verse 12 in the ESV. It says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne conquering in his son, conquering his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in the son. This is the testimony of Jesus, that we have life in him. The testimony of Jesus is the gospel. It's the truth. All of scripture points to Jesus. This testifies to Jesus. So the testimony of Jesus is the gospel. So it's settled when we read this, that we have the testimony of Jesus. As believers, if we want to be courageous proclaimers, we have to settle that we have the testimony of Jesus. You don't have to go to seminary school to get it. You don't have to be an elder or a leader to get it. You just have to believe. The only prerequisite is believing in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we now carry the testimony of Jesus. So what else do we need to know? We need to know that the testimony of Jesus is powerful. The testimony of Jesus is powerful. Revelations highlight this, highlights this and it uses this word that we overcome. You see, the word and the testimony of Jesus is life. It's powerful. It changes things. It changes lives. We actually find our identity and we become new creations because of what Christ has done. The testimony is powerful and there's power released in us testifying to Jesus. And we know this in scripture. In in Acts 2, we see Peter standing up full of the Holy Spirit. He addresses the crowd and he testifies to Jesus and people get saved. They're broken and they go, what should we do? How do we change this? They respond and God moves in power. You see, people have a choice to respond, but we're called to testify. In Revelations uh, 19.9, let's highlight a couple things here. It said, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this is what the angel says. He says, these are the true sayings of God. So the angel testifies to God. It's interesting that as the angel testifies to God and to Jesus, this finished work of Jesus, it says that John falls down and worships the angel. This is a great teaching opportunity because the angel corrects him. You see, when we testify, power is released and sometimes our response can be misguided. John's was, he starts to worship the angel and the angel goes, whoa, 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 don't worship me. I carry the testimony, worship God. The power is in Jesus. The power is in the testimony. I'm just carrying it. I'm just sharing it. Don't worship me. So this is really simple. When power is released through the testimony of Jesus, 
Our position is not to take the glory and the attention. It's to point it back to the one that's all-powerful, to Jesus. You see, man doesn't get the glory here. And sometimes I think we get that wrong because we're a selfish people and, you know, we kind of have this thing called pride in us and we kind of like attention. But our position is actually just to point people back to Jesus. We actually see in Scripture there's a few times where this has happened. We see uh, another few places where people are even healed and set free. And, and you see the, uh, the apostles start getting attention and people start trying to worship them like gods. And they tear their clothes and they go, whoa, don't worship me. This is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So we know that the power is in the testimony of Jesus. And we're to point people back to him. Well, what else do we see in this scripture in Revelations 19 that highlights that the testimony of Jesus is powerful? What's this last sentence? It's a fairly substantial statement. It should be a life-changing statement for you. It says this, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we know that all through scripture, the Old Testament prophesies of a coming Messiah, of Jesus. It's pointing towards Jesus. Then we see in the New Testament the fulfillment of the prophetic pointing to Jesus. Jesus is fulfilling that new covenant. And then there's further prophecy of a soon-incoming king, of Jesus' return. All of Scripture points to Jesus. And it's interesting, this link between the prophetic and the testimony of Jesus. Because the The word testimony means do it again. So the word testimony means do it again. So as we testify to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, actually the prophetic in us, not the pathetic, the prophetic in us starts to move and stir and flow saying, do it again. The same finished work of Jesus in you The Holy Spirit wants us to testify to that, prophetically declaring, do it again. The same Jesus that has radically changed and impacted your life wants to do the same thing again, saying, do it again. Testify to me and what God has done in my life, he can do in your life. This is what he's saying. Let's just demystify the prophetic for a moment. For us, friends, Simply testifying to Jesus actually stirs up the prophetic in us. And because we carry the testimony of Jesus, we're actually qualified to prophesy. And that means that we're very simply qualified to speak life and to edify and encourage people into God's preferred future. Prophecy is declaring God's preferred future over people. It's what Jesus says He can do in the scripture. He wants to do for you. That's it. Now we know in part, I'm not referencing the office of the prophet here, which God raises up certain people to build people up in their gifting of the prophetic. I'm just referring to the fact that we all have this ability to prophesy through the Holy Spirit in a measure because of the testimony of Jesus. We're called to edify, encourage, and build each other up. How many of you want to be edified, encouraged, and built up? All right, a few of you, like three. All right, so we'll make sure we find you after the service. (laughs) So the testimony of Jesus is powerful. What else do we see? What do we need to know as courageous proclaimers? Friends, that we find our courage 
in the Holy Spirit. It's the third point. Aren't you glad that you don't have to muster up your own courage? Hey? You know, in the scripture, it says that in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Fear not. I have overcome the world. We know we're going to face challenge. We know we're going to face opposition. But our courage is found in the Holy Spirit. If we want to be a courageous proclaimer, we've got to tap into the source of courage. And it's the Holy Spirit living inside each and every one of us. You see, the Holy Spirit actually affirms the testimony of Jesus. He's our backup. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I wasn't always a good person. I'm still not great. I actually used to fight a lot when I was a teenager. I kind of liked it. I have some scars and some stories. Yeah. You don't want to hear all of those things, but it's, there's, there's, there's truth there. But you know what? When you're in a scenario where you're up against some kind of conflict and resolution, it's really good to have backup, right? Backup is kind of the big strong dude that knows that if you get yourself into trouble, he's going to step in and pull you out and separate it, right? And I'm not suggesting as Christians we're to go out and pick fights, right? Okay, so let's just settle that. We know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do have opposition. But the Holy Spirit is our backup. You have backup. You're not on your own. And actually, the Holy Spirit is looking for an opportunity to bear witness and to be our backup as we testify to Jesus. Don't believe me? Let's read scripture. So John 15, 26 says, When the advocate comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John 15, 26 says, He will bear witness about me. We know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. But he's looking for an opportunity to get out. He's looking for an opportunity where we testify about Jesus and he can move in power and back us up. And it's actually the testimony of Jesus that creates the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come and work. But are we listening? Are we paying attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that you and I carry? He's in us. Are we writing down what he says? Are we paying attention? You know, through the Holy Spirit, we're a powerful people. And I honestly think, friends, that sometimes we forget that. You know, we sing about us being the light of the world. We've done it since Sunday school, right? You can think of probably a hundred songs about us being light. But I feel like in many ways, we as believers operate as secret operatives. We're called to be light to the world. But maybe for some of us, and I've been there, and I'm probably still here at some points, and I'm speaking to myself, but sometimes maybe we want to operate as a secret operative, right? So we put on our night vision goggles, right? Now we can go into the dark, and we can see in the dark, right? We know what's going on around us. We're connected. We have light. Amazing. And you know, we go to work and we just kind of try and not step on toes or avoid people or say something that might offend somebody. It's really easy to offend people these days, right? And, 
And, you know, we, we, we see our coworker and they go, okay, well, don't talk to that person. Don't say anything. And then, you know, there's negative Nancy and she just hates Christians. Don't even look at her. Right? You got your glasses on. We just kind of tiptoe around them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. But you see, what God has called us to do is to be a courageous people that go into darkness, not as secret operatives with night vision goggles on, but with a torch, with light. Let your light so shine before men, not hiding it under a bowl, right? So we are a powerful people and we carry light. And God has called us to be ambassadors. We're atmosphere changers. I want to highlight a song that we sing. We sing this song, When you walk into the room, I put the lyrics up so you can read it. Everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's re- the resurrection life in all you do. I love this song. It's powerful. Are you with me? You know, we sing this singing about God. And often I get this, this stirring in my spirit, the heart of the Father in heaven going, yeah, that's true. But actually, you're my ambassadors. And when you walk into the room, everything changes. When you walk into the room, sickness should be gone. Darkness should tremble. It should leave as light comes in. Things change because we are carriers of the presence of God. He chooses you and I, friends. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have been chosen. Resurrection life is inside of you, friends. John 20, 21, Jesus says this. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He's sending us to be courageous proclaimers of the testimony of Jesus. And then with it, he says, receive my spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. He gives us courage through the Holy Spirit to walk this out. I'm not, he says, I'm sending you with the Holy Spirit, not in your own might, not in your own strength, but with my presence. Are we passionately pursuing his presence? Are we paying attention to his presence? Are we like Moses, where he says, Lord, we're not going anywhere if you don't go with us. I don't want to do anything without you speaking, God. I want to encourage you that in every moment of your day, the Holy Spirit wants to speak in one form or another. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's right there. He wants to be in communion and communication with us. And he wants out as we testify to Jesus. You know, there's people of old of the faith that encourage me. Uh, and the, the relationship that they have with the Holy Spirit or had with the Holy Spirit. One of those was Smith Wigglesworth. You know, there's documentation of him stepping onto the bus and people falling down saying, your very presence convicts me of sin. Your very presence convicts me of sin. You know, he said, I rarely pray for more than 15 minutes, but I rarely go longer than 15 minutes without praying. 
Now, I'm not suggesting you and I can become the next Smith Wigglesworth. Maybe. God's got a different call for each one of us. But we can know the Holy Spirit because it's the same Spirit that he walked in is the same Spirit that we have in us. But are we paying attention to the presence of God like that? You know, there's a, there's a saying that we often quote in our Christian circles, that one that Francis of Assisi says, and he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. You know, this scripture is a great reminder that the gospel is about action, that actually God's called us to do good deeds. But in some ways, friends, I have to be honest. Can I be honest this morning? Are you okay if I'm honest? Okay, if I'm honest, this saying frustrates me. It frustrates me because I myself and I know others hide behind this saying. We go into the world with our goggles on and we just kind of tiptoe around and we try and live like good people and set a good example and have a good moral guide and we just hope maybe a coworker, maybe our neighbor will see something different and come and ask us, what's different about you? What do you believe? And we're just sort of hoping that maybe one day that'll happen. But I want to say this, friends. Our preaching of the gospel without words should be creating an opportunity to testify with words to the hope that we have. And if that's not happening, we should go back and re-examine our lives. Because God's called us to be courageous proclaimers that testify to Jesus. And in the same truth that he's called us to do something with our actions, he's also called us to do something with words. And the scripture says that we are to be those that testify to Jesus. Are you with me? All right. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit's often referred to as the comforter. And I think many of us think of the comforter as the one that comforts us when we're going through something difficult and challenging. And that is truth. But if you remember Mark DeToy, he's a bit cheeky. And uh, he was one of our elders. And one of the things that he says is, you know, I also feel like in the same way that the Holy Spirit is prompting us out of our comfort zones to give us comfort, in a position of testifying to Jesus. So when we testify to Jesus and we're uncomfortable, that actually the Holy Spirit's our comforter to comfort us in that moment. Because the Holy Spirit wants out. He's prompting us to testify. You know, the scripture says that God has called us to live life to the fullest. But living life to the fullest isn't found in our comfort zones. It isn't found in our safe little space doing the day-to-day and never following the promptings of Holy Spirit. Actually, what he's called us to is a radical life journey of faith led by the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And he's empowering us to get out of our comfort zones. How many are excited to get out of your comfort zone? Here's the thing, though. You don't have to muster this in your own strength. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives you the courage to do it. So let's pay attention to what he says. What's the last thing I want to highlight here in the context of us being courageous proclaimers? It's this, that telling your story creates an atmosphere of faith. 
So let's kind of recap a bit, and let me explain this. So we have the testimony of Jesus. We're believers. And the testimony of Jesus is powerful. We're to listen to the Holy Spirit prompting that bears witness to the testimony of Jesus. We carry that too. But he doesn't just leave us here. There's also the evidence. And friends, you and I are the evidence. And he's called us to share the evidence. So the best practical handle that I can tell you how to be a courageous proclaimer is to share the evidence. So here's the thing. Here's a term for you. Corroborative evidence. So corroborative evidence is this. It's evidence that supports a proposition already supported by initial evidence. Therefore, confirming an original position. And you go, what does that mean? Okay, well, if you've been to court, hopefully none of you have been to court, okay, you would know how powerful this is. This is the, the, there's, this is the thing that can make or break a trial. This is what comes and it's like, well, we can't argue with that. So here's an example, okay. The sun is hot, right? Okay, the sun is hot, the sun is powerful, and the sun can burn you. Thanks, Andy, for that. So, here's an explanation, right? So, that's truth. I just told you. So, I've testified to truth, okay? So, here's the evidence of truth. This white boy over here, when he stands in the sun, he gets burned. I'm the evidence. God imprints in the pigment of my skin the evidence of truth. So I'm the corroborative evidence that affirms the truth that the sun is hot. So in the same way, we are the evidence, we're the proof that Jesus is who he says he is. That who we testify to, who the Holy Spirit affirms and bears witness to, is truth and is life-changing. So what does this mean? This means that we have the opportunity to just share evidence of truth. And as we share the evidence of truth, the power of God can move. And the same thing that God has done for me, he can do for you. And actually what we share, our story, a lot of people refer to it as testimony, it points to Jesus the power is not in us. The power is in Jesus. And as we share, it's like taking a flashlight and flashing it into someone's house, let's call it. it. It takes light and shines it into a dark place and it creates an atmosphere of faith. And people go, wow, that could happen for you. Maybe that could happen for me. You know, someone can argue doctrine, Mike always says this, but they can't argue a transformed life. This is one of the powerful things that God gives us. So as courageous proclaimers, we have this. And the evidence of this testimony of Jesus is on us. And the Holy Spirit's our backup. So let me just give you an example. And we're going to have some fun with this. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Andrew Thompson to come up. And you want to give him a mic there, Andy. So Andrew Thompson was one of our elders at Oceanside a long time ago. And, and this is Brittany, his wife. Why don't you guys jump upstairs here? Um, I probably wouldn't be here, friends, if it wasn't for this man seeking me out and dragging me along and just fighting for, for my salvation. 
So let's highlight something. So let's testify to truth for a minute, okay? Jesus is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That is truth. He is a healing God. And we believe, we testify to Jesus that through him, we can see people healed, set free, and delivered. Right? So this is truth. Now, as we testify to truth, it creates an atmosphere of faith for the Holy Spirit to move. So I've asked these guys to just take a quick minute. I'm going to give them a quick minute to just highlight and testify to healing. What has God done? So here's some examples. I know these two are people of faith and they've prayed for healing. So let's give them opportunity to share those stories. So let's hear stories and let's watch what God does. Amen. Well, it's awesome to uh, see you all here. It's, uh, it's raised in this town. Lots of, lots of testimonies here for sure. Um, I remember uh, when BJ and Paul and myself were, around the time we were roommates, we went skiing on Mount Washington, snowboarding, and I wiped out and I injured my arm and I ripped the blood vessel in my arm. And when it doesn't rip sideways, it rips lengthwise. And it swole my arm three times the size of my right arm. And uh, a few days later, I had purple, red, and blue, and all the colors. I could not move my arm past the 90-degree mark. I could move it up here, but not down there. People were telling me that it was going to atrophy like that. And in Oceanside Church, when we were over in the theater, I said, no. I said, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is the healing. He is the healing. And so I started to just pray and just push it, push it my arm gently and I was like, I think it's moving a little more, a little more, a little more. And it got 90% of the way there. And I was like, Jesus, it's almost all the way. It only took 10 minutes. This is, this is amazing. And I couldn't get the last 10% of the way. And then the next day, it just came naturally. And I'm telling you what, as we're sharing this right now, there is healing that's happening in some of you. There's, there's uh, while we were worshiping, I, uh, the Lord showed me someone's eyes that are being healed. And as, as Paul's been sharing and as we're sharing, there's testimony that's rising up in you. The test is happening right now, and it's being turned into a testimony. We live down in North Carolina now, and there was a young boy that came to our food outreach, and he had literally the definition Coke bottle glasses. We prayed for him, and when he left, his mom kept trying to put his glasses on him, and he was getting mad at her because he couldn't see through his glasses anymore. Because the Lord miraculously healed his eyes in an instant. Children have faith. And uh, our daughter, Raelle, was actually diagnosed with? Um, she was diagnosed when she was three with autism. Um, and they said it was going to be quite severe. And I remember crying and coming home telling Andrew. And um, we just said, no, we're not going to accept this. And we went over to our pastor's house at the time. And we prayed for her, and she, 30 minutes later, was completely healed of all the symptoms, all the signs that they had. The doctors were amazed. My wife prayed for uh, a lady in our church named Lori Hayes. Her marriage was in shambles, complete. Just her husband was living in his truck, and it had been like that for months. And she prayed for her in faith. You know, how many know when you step out in faith, sometimes you have nothing that's 90% of the time I share the gospel with people, I have nothing. I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to be made a fool. And I step out. And my wife stepped out in our church one day and prayed for someone's marriage. The next week, her husband came back and their marriage was restored. Now, that couple, in our absence, is leading the food outreach 
in Craven County, North Carolina, because the Lord restored their marriage. The last thing I'll share is this week I went downtown with a friend of mine named Frank, and we were just we went to uh, the coffee shop down there. It's got a weird name. I forget what it's called on the seawall. And we just started walking, and I looked at Frank, and I said, we're walking towards that tent city, which I love those kind of places. And I said, I think Jesus is kind of setting us up. We went in there, and there was a man yelling in his tent, like demonically manifesting. And someone came up to us and said, can you help us? And I looked at Frank, and I said, this is Jesus. We went to the tent, and everybody, people were like yelling, I'm like, You're, we're going to kick you out of the tent city. I mean, it's pretty hard to get kicked out of the tent city, if you know <laughs> what I mean, right? So we went in there. Again, just, Lord, if I be made a fool, that's fine. I knelt down, leaned into his tent, was expecting to be punched in the face, and I started commanding the spirits to be silent and to come out of him. I didn't see any manifestation demonically, which oftentimes you don't see that. But what I did see is the man silent, was silenced, and he was quiet the rest of the time. And it made an impact in the tent city where everybody noticed. It's like we were walking around and everybody was looking at us. And we were able to, to pray with people. So that's the power of testimony. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I just wanted to share one more thing. Um, I just really felt this over and over again during worship. You have a decision whether or not you're going to participate in sickness and not being healed and living with things that people say you have to live with. You have a decision in that. And I just want you, if you have a problem this morning, if you have something you need to be healed from, I want you to literally speak to that problem and say, I don't participate in that because I am an heir to the throne of Christ. Good. Amen. So I think what we're going to do is, thank you, Andrew and Brittany. What we're going to do, how many of you feel like your faith level just rose? A few of you. How many feel like your faith level just rose? You see, when we testify to Jesus and what he's doing, the Holy Spirit comes and says, do it again. Do it again. Whatever it is. It might be healing. It might be something that God's doing in your workplace. Whatever God's doing in your life, God's called us to testify to that because actually in it, it gives us opportunity to point people to Jesus. Powerful. So I think what I'd like to do, just we're going we're gonna to worship here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing one more song. And I just want to say that in an opportunity for you, that even this morning, that if you felt your faith level rise and you want to respond even to healing, we have a healing God. That if you want prayer, actually just in this far corner, I'm going to ask if Andrew and Brittany would join us over there. Um, our eldership team that's free, if you could join us there. Some of our leaders and connect group leaders, come and join us. And we want to pray for you. Because testimony means do it again. God wants to heal. God wants to move. So in summary of what we're going, we're going through this morning, God has called us and commissioned us to courageously proclaim the testimony of Jesus. And what do we need to know? Friends, you and I have to settle that we have that testimony. We have to settle that the testimony of Jesus is powerful. That we get our courage, not in our own strength, but through the Holy Spirit. And the most simple handle of all, that just telling your story, telling of what God has done, creates an atmosphere of faith for God to move in power. That's it, friends. 
If you want to be a courageous proclaimer, I want to ask that you stand. I want to pray for you. And then we are going to, we are going to worship. So if that's you, if you feel that you want to, if you want to be a courageous proclaimer, let's stand, let's acknowledge what God is saying this morning. Father, we thank you for those, God, that are responding to you. Lord, I thank you that we don't do this in our own strength. That, God, you give us Holy Spirit. Father, that our power comes from you. Lord, we acknowledge you, Jesus, as head of the church. Lord, we accept this commission to be those that courageously proclaim you. And we ask, Father, right now, for those that are standing, God, that you give them opportunity, that you give them courage, even right now, that wherever they go, Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking and stirring. We are trusting for testimony. We are stepping out in faith saying, come and move, God. Testify through us. Come and move, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And we acknowledge you. We worship you.